The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today is supposed to be first Thursday of the month, ask Suzanne and Sanaya questions. But I had dinner with a friend the other night at her beautiful house in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And just a few minutes into talking to her, I was covered with goosebumps and my lip twitched like it does when my guides say pay attention and it was clear to me we needed to get Raven on the show and my shows are booked up through August and I didn't want to wait that long so I just made what we call an executive decision and said we're just going to change the format today and Raven was kind enough to agree to come in today and talk with us. I just love technology because we're no longer in Las Cruces. Ty and I are on the road for a full year and we have moved on. And today we're somewhere between Tucson and Phoenix. I have a big event in Phoenix tomorrow night. If you're in the area, come on out to Unity of Phoenix. But we didn't quite get there. So I'm coming to you today live from a truck stop off of I-10, <laughs> wedged in between a whole bunch of big 18-wheelers sitting here on the bed in the RV with two little dachshunds beside me. So isn't technology wonderful? So let me share with you why I was so insistent on changing the schedule of the program. Raven Valencia, a friend of mine, I, I met her through this work that I do. I know that Raven came to a couple of my events when I spoke in Santa Fe, New Mexico, as I mentioned she lives in Las Cruces, and she is a member now of the beautiful group called Souls Awakening, a a closed Facebook page simply because it was getting a little bit too big. But part of that group that the wonderful Brenda Bowman Baker and Lynette Setzkorn founded, I've talked about it before in several of my shows, and Raven is one of these beautiful kindred spirits on the journey with all of us, just remembering who we are and why we're here. Before I go any further, I think I need to just bring Raven in. Raven, I know you're standing by. Thank you so much for saying yes. Thank you for having me, Suzanne. 
<laughs> I did this to you at my retreat at Unity Village a few weeks ago. I We were talking and we exchanged a couple emails right in the middle of that retreat. And I said, Raven, I have to get you on stage to talk in front of all these people. And again, you said yes, even though I, I think it might be a little bit outside your comfort zone. You're right about that. It is outside of my comfort zone. But I am trying to say yes to things that scare me. So here I am. Well, I know it's not scary to talk to me, so we can just forget about <laughs> the fact that people are listening. But actually, it's that reason that I wanted you to talk, because you have so much wisdom to share with all of us today. So let me tell all of you listening why it was so important to me to get Raven on here. Raven is a beautiful healer. She's done some healing for me that just resulted in this beautiful opening of the back heart chakra that just gave me a lovely increase in my connection with higher consciousness. She's done healings on a lot of people that I know. She's a gifted healer, a beautiful soul, a wonderful artist. And we'll talk more about those sorts of things as we go along. But you are facing a challenge now that you didn't expect, and that's with a physical illness. You want to just give us a little bit of uh, background on that illness? Sure. I was uh, recently diagnosed in December with pulmonary arterial hypertension group one, which is caused by scleroderma, which is an autoimmune disease that I was diagnosed with about 25 years ago. And so pulmonary arterial hypertension basically means it's like high blood pressure of the arterial system leading from the heart to the um, lungs. And what that means is that the arteries are thickening. The skin in the arteries, the cells, have thickened and are restricting the flow of blood to my lungs, making it hard to breathe. Okay. And I remember you telling me, and this was really important, if you have arteriosclerosis in the heart, they can sometimes thin that out, right? Clean out the arteries, if I'm correct. But you can't do that no. with this condition. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Like if you have um, uh, cholesterol and, you know, plaque in your arteries and veins of your heart, yes, you can have stents put in. You can do that. But no, that isn't possible. With it. It's a very rare condition. And it is, um, it's, they've only had uh, treatment for it in the last, you know, 10 years or so, 15 years or so. And, and there is only a certain drugs that work with it, and um, it does not reverse it. It doesn't, um, it's, it's, they call it a terminal diagnosis, but as I like to say, we're all terminal. None of That's us right. are getting out of here alive. <laughs> and so um, it's, it's, uh, it's made me cherish each moment that I have. It's made me be present in this moment um, with the next breath. And that's all any of us can really do in life. Yeah. And we're going to really get into that. So, so I didn't know how you wanted to talk about that, but you've already just said it is a terminal diagnosis. And we're not going to talk about timelines. It's how you're living right now. And, I, and we're really going to talk about the fact that due to some of your medication, you're experiencing greater physical pain than you've ever had. I don't want to get into that just yet, but there are so many okay. of us listening who've had all kinds of pain throughout our lives, and I know that you've had the emotional, spiritual, and now physical pain, and the, it's those insights that are such gems that this show is going to provide people. 
But let's, but before we back up a minute, just so we know where you're coming from now, you were wearing a nasal cannula when we had dinner at your house with your wonderful husband, Ray, the other night. By the way, guys, Raven is the most amazing cook. She made this new Mexican dinner that was I, well, I had two full meals. I never have leftover or seconds, seconds, and I, I really ate a lot. But um, this, your symptoms right now, you need the nasal cannula because are you short of breath? Yes, I get short of breath and my heart rate goes up upon exertion. So if I'm moving around, if I'm exercising or walking, I need oxygen. If... Um, and I need it for sleeping at night because my oxygen levels will drop at night during sleep. I don't have sleep apnea, but my oxygen mm-hmm. levels drop at night. Okay. How are you feeling today? I am having a really good day today. So my pain is, is minimal today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, when I saw you, I had just come off of about five days of intense, severe pain. And it was, it was, it was difficult, which, you know. But I am learning. I am learning from it. Boy, are you ever. So that's what we'll get into. But I think people can learn a lot as well from your backstory. So if we could back mm. way up, you're really well into the spiritual journey. You're, you're a master as compared to most people as far as understanding who we are and why we're here. In other words, you know that you're a beautiful soul in human form, but you haven't always known that, correct? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, my first awakening, if you will, because I've had, I have experienced more than one. Maybe I, I needed them more often than other people, but my first one was when I gave birth to my son, Corey, 37 years ago. He was born with spina bifida, and at the time, um, I had never heard of the words. I didn't know what it was or what it meant. I knew I just had a very sick baby on my hands, and um, he changed May I interrupt a second? Could you educate Mm -hmm. those listening what spina bifida is? Uh, Yes, spina bifida is a congenital birth defect of the neural tube. What it really means in layman's terms is his spine never finished forming in utero. And so he was born with an open spine, what they call an open spine. And so he was in pretty bad shape. Babies are given APGAR scores when they're born. And Mm -hmm. most babies, uh, APGAR scores are, are the, they're checking if you're breathing, what your appearance is, your color, those kinds of things. And they give it on a scale of 10. And most babies get an APGAR score of eight and maybe at five minutes of 10. Well, Corey's APGAR score was a two, four. And when you mm-hmm. get an APGAR score of 2.4, you don't live usually. So um, he was um, put into surgery the first day. It was in a few hours after being born and um, to close the spine. And then we began our journey. And I remember being um, confused and angry and uh, mad at God and mad at the world and going to a priest. Uh, in those first days and asking him, what happened? Why? What? What's going on here? And he said to me, um, he is a sinner and you are a sinner and this is your punishment. Ooh, I remember you told me that the other night and it took my breath away. And yeah. I'm sure that all of you listening feel the same way. Can you imagine? Can you imagine saying that to a mom of a beautiful baby? 
And what was your reaction? So I just looked at him and I, and I said to him, you know, I don't know a lot, but I know this. I know that that is not truth. And I walked away. And it started my journey. It started um, me journaling was really, um, it made me, I started to journal in order to catalog what was going on with Corey while he was in the hospital. And then that morphed into sharing my feelings and that morphed into, into wisdom coming through. I didn't know what it was at the time, but all of a sudden the tone would change after my whining and complaining. It would change to these beautiful words of encouragement and positivity and you can do this and we can do this and one day at a time. And, you know, so wow. it, it began this relationship for me with a part of myself that I had not explored before. And what was what were the doctors saying about Corey's condition? Oh, yes. They said Corey would um, have a horrible life. They told us that he would uh, never walk, never talk. He would be severely um, developmentally delayed. He would, it would be best to probably put him in an institution. And, um, and so we just took him home once he was able to go home. And luckily, there were other more enlightened people out there in the world about it. And he, he started um, an early uh, infant program. Uh, early childhood education program and started we just started therapy and doing things and he thrived he you know he had surgery that first day and then he had surgery three days later because Mm -hmm. most children with spina bifida are also born with the Arnold um, Chiari malformation of the brain stem and so Mm -hmm. that means that's hydrocephalus which means uh, cerebral spinal fluid starts to collect in the head and then make the head grow and so that began on day three. So he was put back into surgery. And we almost lost him that day. He was having trouble reversing the anesthesia. And for several hours, they wouldn't let us in to see him. And we waited and waited and waited. And, and really, everyone expected Corey to die. And, and he didn't. He just <laughs> kept fighting for life. And this little boy um, melted my heart. I had grown up in a, in a very um, abusive household. Uh, very unsure of myself, very insecure, and I had walled my heart off a bit. And he and, and if anybody, if any of you were to meet Raven, it would be so hard for you to imagine that this woman ever <laughs> had her heart walled off because she is all heart. But go ahead, please continue about your son. <laughs> but and he just he just and he was just such a a wise and happy child. Do you know? And I just loved that about him. And, and he never saw himself as less than, and he never saw himself as anything but what he is. I remember one time in, uh, we were living in, in uh, the D.C. area, and um, he, I had taken him for a checkup at Bethesda Naval Hospital, and we were waiting, and there was a woman sitting there, you know, and he's in his little wheelchair, and they're looking at him. He's about four years old. And she's watching him and watching him, and she just, you can tell her curiosity is there. Finally, she looks at me and she says, what's wrong with him? And Corey looks up at her and she says, nothing. I'm just here for a checkup today. (laughs) So he he is, um, and he's paralyzed from the waist down, correct? He is. 
would you um, would you tell everybody what he's doing now and Corey, how old yeah, he is? Ha Corey is 37. He has a degree in social work. He is working for um, a company that helps um, transition people to work. He has also been an advocate for the disabled for many years. He used to be on the New Mexico Governor's Commission for the Disability. He's a disability advocate. He, he's, um, he's, he's out there living his life. Completely independently in, a, in his own place. Yes. It's, yes. it's yes. amazing. Now, Raven, yeah, we're going to, I just, have, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, I would, I'm going to ask you to share a story. A little birdie named Lynette told me this morning when she heard you were coming on okay. the show. Would you please share the story of when Corey was listening to a talk show in which people were discuss, discussing a preference for terminating, terminating spina bifida pregnancies? Yes. There was, he was, I think, maybe middle school or high school, and there was a, it was 2020, something like that, one of those kinds of programs, news programs like that, and they were, they had doctors on who were doing these new in utero um, surgeries to close the spine with the hope to eliminate spina bifida. So Corey's watching this show with me, and when it's over, he turns to me and he says, Mama, why would anybody want to do away with people like me? <laughs> And, and I just, you know, Corey has challenged me through that. He has, he has made me look at things from an ethical perspective that I never thought about, you know. There, and he's made me see that he was so perfect. And he was a whole spirit in this broken body. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was always that mirror to me. He, to me, in my view, and I tell this to people all the time, he came here and he showed me where I was broken. My spirit mm. was broken, but he, he was whole. And I could see my wholeness in him. And wow. he taught me how to be whole. Yeah. And how, this is and it. how to accept. You you showed me a picture of you and Corey and Ray and when we were at your dinner table the other night and you know Spirit has been telling me yeah you can call Source God but or you can call it love but you can also call it joy and looking at that photo of Corey and all three of you I saw joy in expression yeah. three very different ways of joy expressing itself there's joy expressing itself through a a person who doesn't walk but is joyful we're all overflowing with joy if we recognize that it's the most beautiful story raven it is and he he is my miracle and i i love him dearly i know i'm his mother i'm very proud of him um <laughs> but he 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 changed my life he he um i just don't even have words for it sometimes suzanne he I, this is what i also say i feel that that source God loved me so much, he sent me a master teacher to teach me how to love. Mm. And that and is I so beautiful, so Raven, because so many people will ask us, Anaya, you know, why do are people born who have disabilities? And and the mm -hmm. answer is always, it gives, it, there's so much growth to be had for it, so much love, and the soul is fine. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, you're yeah. such a beautiful testament to that. So that comment from the priest about your son and you started you 
on your spiritual path. Now, it's really interesting for all of you listening to know that Raven is what we call a Navy wife. Her husband, Ray, also retired as a Navy captain like my husband, Ty. And boy, you should have heard the sea stories going back and forth at dinner the other (laughs) night. Raven and I had this nice spiritual discussion while the guys were out on the patio. Then they came in and it turned to to sea stories for the rest of the night, which was fine. It was fun. It was wonderful. But uh, how did did you unveil or develop your spiritual journey while also following your husband's Navy career? Well, it was challenging, but I, I think part of what happened was it, it kind of just happened organically. Ray was out to sea a lot, so I just did my own thing. You know, I learned to be fiercely independent, and um, it started with stress. I was stressed out. I, was, I had this sick child I had who was being hospitalized. Corey has had 14 surgeries, mm. and, um, you know, it, it, Ray was gone for 80% of the time, and so I had to deal, and so I started to take – Tai Chi classes, and then I started to take meditation classes, and then I started to take rebirthing classes, and I started to study, and I started to read. I've always been a voracious reader, and I love to read, and so I read, and I read, and I, I read early childhood books, and then I moved to spiritual tracks, and I just I just kept educating myself and educating myself and, and moving along, and then uh, 30 years ago, I had a spontaneous spiritual transformational experience in um, Sedona, and I came, in my humble opinion, face-to-face with the divine, and it gutted, it it just ripped me open, and from that point on, there was no turning back, there was no, there was just, I was just present with that, and my writing changed, and my journaling changed, and and then it came through so much um, more eloquently when I would write down my fears and then the, the voice that would come back at me, the handwriting would change, it would become all capitals and I would have these beautiful pieces of advice and, and teachings and learnings and what I was going through and, and it was fabulous for me. So, but it was a very private thing. It's not, I didn't share my writing with too many people other than my close circle once in a while, but that was very private for, for me, but it was part of my journey. Could Would you briefly tell us about that spiritually transformative experience? Were you in the middle of meditation or were you just walking around? And then what happened? Oh, it's a really long story, Suzanne, but I'll try mm. to be as brief as possible. I was yeah, we have a break a in five minutes, but it, so we need the elevator first. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, source. Okay. Well, I, was on a, I was on a retreat in Sedona with a group of women, uh, my meditation group, as a matter of fact, and we had done a medicine wheel ceremony. We had done different kinds of ceremony. I was doing a lot of therapy, a lot of different things at the time to help me to, um, just to help me along in my journey of, of um healing my woundedness from my childhood and from, from life. And, and I had, I, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I was up on airport Mesa and I drove, I walked out across this field back then. It wasn't as developed as it is now. And there was this cross there. And at that time it didn't used to be lit and it lit up and it just spoke to me and it told me things. And I and it just, kind of blew my socks off and it you know for a week it kind of made me a little bit crazy after I went home and it really rocked my world but I kept 
just hearing all this, getting these downloads after download after download of information. And it, and I was given tools on how to heal and what to do. And so I just started living that after it sort of all calmed down and I came back to normal. Um, that's what I did. I did movement. I did writing. I did art. I did, you know, breath work, yeah. music. And, and the beautiful thing, Raven, is that this is, you're not the only person in the world who has experienced this, but yet you are providing all of us a, a kind of a recipe for this over the history of your life with all of the, the, starting with the journaling and then the meditation and the Tai Chi, the body work. It's all, it all fits together, doesn't it? It does. It does. And for me, the body has been um, so important. And, and it's something I've been writing about recently is how important the body is because without the physical body, the soul, the spirit being that I am cannot express itself. Right. And so for many years, I was at war with this body of mine. I didn't like this body of mine. I didn't appreciate this body of mine. And if this diagnosis has done anything for me, it has made me love this body just as it is right now. That's huge. I am so grateful for this body. I'm so grateful for how hard it's worked for me. I'm so grateful because it is the, the temple that allows me to house my soul. And I've read that, and I've read that, and I've read that. But I didn't get that until now. Yeah. You recently, just yesterday, I think, posted the most beautiful exposition on how you have come to terms, come to peace with your pain. And we're really going to delve into that in the second half of this show, because this is where the real gold nuggets are mined in, in what you've learned from this. We haven't even talked much about what you've been going through, just the background story. But uh, I'm so grateful you've given me permission to share that that post that you put on Souls Awakening on Facebook. You don't have your own website, so I'm going to be putting it on my blog as letting you be my guest blogger so that everybody can read it in its entirety and learn from that. So let um, me I can see we're coming to a break, so for now I'm just going to let people know that after we finish talking, you're going to want to go to SuzanneGeisman.com. Go to the menu where it says Sanaya. Under that, there's Inspirations. That's a blog of occasional posts that I put on there. Or you can just go to SuzanneGeisman.com forward slash category forward slash inspirations. And there you'll be able to read Raven Valencia's guest blog post about what pain has to teach all of us. So, Raven, we're going to take a break now for about three minutes, but when we come back, we're really going to let you share with us what you've been learning, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. 
Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Eric Butterworth. How much time is enough time? Ever thought about that? How much time is enough time? Time is not a quantity. It cannot really be measured. Oh, you say, but it can. I have a watch. But the watch is synthetic. There's no way to really measure time because time is a depth. It's an allness. You may say, but I only have an hour. I only have a day. And so all you do is admit to yourself and to others that you've encased yourself in a shell. And this time frame will always frustrate your creative flow. And time for you will be a matter of the clock ticking on, but it's only where you are in consciousness. So it's time to slow down, to look up, to get a sense of the eternal. And this basically is the purpose of prayer. To hear more talks from Eric Butterworth, visit truthunity.net. Get your copy of Unity Magazine this month and deepen your spiritual journey. Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber talks about the need to make a holy shift. Carolyn Mace gets gutsy with God. Justine Willis-Toms dives into new dimensions. And Alberto Violdo shares an excerpt from his new book, Heart of the Shaman. Subscribe for one year and save $5 off the cover price and get the digital edition free. Go to unitymagazine.org and get a free trial issue today. Indian saint and mystic Kabir is quoted as saying, One drop of divine love can turn you to gold. Immerse yourself in the work of Kabir with acclaimed poet, author, and spiritual teacher Andrew Harvey in his book, Turn Me to Gold, 108 Poems of Kabir. Andrew shares the powerful and timeless words of Kabir in a way that is accessible to all with beautiful photography by Brett Hurd. This is a book you will turn to again and again. Available now at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Discover how to connect with our loved ones on the other side with Suzanne Giesman and Messages of Hope. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central as Suzanne shares evidence that love never dies. In evidential medium, spiritual teacher, and author, Suzanne brings hope and healing through her gift of communication with those who have passed. Suzanne brings messages of hope and love that go straight to the heart. Tune in this Thursday right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. If you're just joining us, we're having a, just a beautiful conversation today with my friend Raven Valencia. She's a member of a closed Facebook group of which I'm a part called Souls Awakening. That group was founded by our mutual friend, Brenda Baker, who's been on this program. She's now across the veil, but still conversing with us. And we're talking to Raven today because she's dealing with a 
an illness that has a terminal diagnosis. What that means, who knows? But she is dealing with some issues she's never dealt with, including intense pain. We're going to be talking about that more in this final half hour and the lessons it's taught her. But back in January, Raven, uh, Lynette reached out to me and she said, if Brenda comes through to you, Suzanne, and she has anything to say to Raven, would you get her a message? So, of course, I Next time I felt that little tickle in my hair and knew that Brenda was here, I asked her, what message do you have for Raven? And in her own voice, I don't remember what she said exactly, but you emailed me recently and you said that in that message that I sent to you from Brenda, she said that this illness for you would be hard, but that Brenda was with you. She also said it was time for you to walk your talk. And you said you were puzzled for a while because you're a person who always tried to walk her talk but now you fully understand what she meant by that. Would you share with us what you figured she meant? Yes. Um, As a healer and as an end-of-life doula, I have sat with people in their pain and held space for them, and I'm very good at that. And now I have to sit with me and do the things that I encouraged them to do as they walk their journey and so that is what I believe she means by walk my talk I think she means that it's my turn to practice what I've been learning all these years what I've been teaching what all these years what I've been preaching all these years on myself wow as I walk through this process that I'm in now Yeah, I know you didn't sign up for this um, uh, knowingly. Let's talk about this pain. Now, you said at the beginning of the show, when when Ty and I came to dinner at your house with you and Ray uh, just the other night, you were having two good days, but that five days before that. Why don't you describe to us what kind of pain were you having and why? Well, I'm I'm on a... um some medications. I've, I've started some new medications, and I was only on one initially. And it's I have to titrate on it, and titrate means that you're they give it to you a little bit at a time and see how your body reacts. And and every week you increase the dosage until you get to the dosage that they want you to be at. And so I have been slowly increasing over the last six weeks. And I guess I hit a dosage that was a li- uh, was I'd ha- been having side effects all along that they were bearable. And the side effects are um, headache, jaw pain, bone, uh, joint pain, muscle aches, things like that. You can have nausea, diarrhea, those kinds of things. So I had been, you know, pretty good. I'd really been functioning just fine. It was, it was, it was tolerable, you know. And then mm-hmm. I hit that last dosage of, uh, and it, it, it just was very, very painful. The headache got super severe. The all the symptoms came, the muscles, the joints, the diarrhea, the nausea, the, all of it. And, and it, there was no comfort. There was nowhere I could be, nothing, nothing that would eliminate it. And then at the same time that I increased that dosage, I started another of the medications. And these medications, there there's three of them. They're meant to open the blood vessels. And so what's happening is that blood is rushing through the, through all, you know, they're meant to, to open this, this part of my, my arterial system that is shut down a little bit, but, 
but it's, it kind of opens everything. So like mm-hmm. one of the nurses described it to me, the blood rushes to my head and, and it's pumping through there and it's like, whoosh, 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 which is what's, which is what's causing the headache, mm-hmm. the headaches and, and that sort of thing. So um, it was just excruciating. And I, you know, I spent one night up all night. I was awakened at about 1230 with the headache, super severe and the pain in my body and, and of the other symptoms, and then all day, and I called my doctor, and we opted to go back to the old dosage, and I stayed on the new meds, and, but it just takes time, and, and the, the symptoms will lessen, but, but it takes time, and I still have one more medication that I have to incorporate into the other two that I'm now taking, but we slowed it down, and, and you can do that when you're tri- titrating, a medication and only one of them is being titrated the other two are at it that's a dosage i'm going to be at so yeah. we'll see we'll see how it goes I'm, I'm seeing my doctor tomorrow and we'll talk about whether yeah. or not we're going to in- start increasing it again right now i'm sort of i'm stabilizing because i haven't increased and in- in- the medication at this moment yeah. so it was um it, it, it for about four or five days i was i wasn't able to function i just could you know move from my bed to the sofa to the other bed in the guest room and back to this room and go to my healing room and lay on my massage table and just trying to find a place to be. I would play meditation tapes and do mantras. So your everything. Your blog that that we're going to post on my website. I, I'm going to quote you with your permission that you gave me earlier. You wrote, "Never have I felt this pain. This take your breath away. Can't figure it out where or how to be pain." I can do nothing but be present in my body when the pain is present. This body from which I have spent much of my life disassociating and whose needs I've been working to transcend has brought me smack dab into its holy presence. Why don't you talk about what do you mean by trying to disassociate from your body for much of your life? Well, as a a, a person who was abused as a child you learn you dissociate you know from your body you learn to leave your body and so i was very good and proficient at leaving my body for most of my life until i became conscious and and i'm going to ask you to define that more because from i've been very you know athletic and physical and very much in my body so i don't understand that and maybe some others don't what is it like to leave your body when not in an altered state of consciousness? It's it's a psychological term that's used Mm -hmm. for survivors of trauma. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's, um, you're still here and you're functioning and you're talking, but you just, you live from your head up. Let's put it that way. Mm. You live in your head, but you never really feel anything and you don't let anything really touch you or be present. So, um, I guess that's the best way to describe it for me. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. And so now here's this body that you can't ignore because it's screaming at you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. So, so how? What did you do to get through those periods? Just now, last week. Last week, I just. I just was with it, you know, and, and one of the beautiful things, I think in the past, I might have, um, I think I wrote in an earlier um, blog post that for the, since this diagnosis, for the first time in my life, 
I didn't feel like a victim. I don't feel shame or blame about it. I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. I, whereas in the past, that's where I would have gone to first. Hmm. Because I, I know that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be at this moment in time. If it's here, it's for me. That's just all there is to it. And so here I am. And my job is to love it. My jo- I believe. I believe I'm here to embody more light. I'm here to embody more of that God essence, the love, the light, the whatever you want to call that force that, that is in all of us, that spark of the divine that I am. My job is to increase that and embody that and be that. And I can't wow. do that if I am negating the body or judging the body and making it wrong for how it is. Corey taught me that, that perfection of the body is not mean that I am living in a in a love filled way. So you're accepting the pain. Yeah. Yeah. This, but doesn't mean you don't say, can't you take this away or does it? <laughs> no, I do ask. Oh yes. I was praying and I was like, yes, yes. I'll calling in Archangel Raphael, the healers, the healing angels and Jesus and every, every, every divine entity that I could think of to please my loved ones on the other side. Brenda, help me. You know, anybody yeah. that I love and loves me, absolutely, I ask. Yeah. And I know from experience when you're physically hurting, it's very challenging to feel that connection with any aspect of the divine, any aspect of higher consciousness. Were you aware of any of those helpers coming to your aid? Yes, yes. And that's what's different this time, Suzanne. That's why I think Spirit's having me go public with talking about it and sharing my blog. Because my, my journaling is very personal. It's about my personal process. So I don't share them publicly and here I have in the last two weeks and that's not normal for me and so um, I, I think spirit wants me to, to share about this that I can be both I can be both human and spirit at the same time it's not I am pain or I am love it's that's I am it. pain and I am love at the same time. Yeah. I am sad and I am love at the same time. I am angry and I am love at the same time. <sighs> it's not or. It's just honoring that I live in two worlds. Mm. I think that's the most beautiful explanation of, of the teaching I've heard, of how, how we can be. Where it's not either or. It's both and. It's, oh. it's and, yes. Yeah, wow. so so it's it's I feel you don't know how supported I feel in this. I think I said to you the other night when you were here for dinner, I said when Corey was born, I wasted time in my humble opinion looking back in why victim, why did this happen to us? Why did it happen to him? Why did it happen to me? And this time I'm like, okay, spirit I'm not going to miss the gift this time. I know Corey was a major gift, so I know this is a major gift. Help me find the gift in this. So let's talk about some of those. That's that's 
I hear this so often from people who had cancer and say it ends up being the greatest gift. And they've been through chemo and, and have had the nausea and the physical pain. What are Why don't you just tell us some of the gifts, please, instead of a list, just take one and tell us why that's a gift and how you came to that. Then tell us another, because I know in this blog post you listed several. How about, oh, I'll, I'll start you uh, off. Like, Okay, start me allow, off. I know. <laughs> yeah, you talk about your mother and Ray and seeing them suffer uh-huh. as they see you suffer and you're actually able to accept help from people. Talk about that. Yes, yes, yes because part of part of my process, both as a child, as an, a young adult, and as a Navy wife, was to be fiercely independent, you know, to take care of myself. My husband's out to sea for six months. I have to handle everything. I can't call him to come fix this or fix that. And so I learned to be fiercely independent and I learned not to depend on other people. And, and also I didn't trust other people. I didn't trust that they wouldn't hurt me. You know, there was a, a period of time where I had to learn to trust again. And so, so it was interesting, you know, the other day my mom came over on Sunday and I was in excruciating pain and, and she sat, I was in the, in the guest room <laughs> laying in the bed there and, and she sat on the chair and then she just said to me, can I, can I rub your head? And I said, sure, Mom. And I said, how do you want me? And she said, just, just scoot over and I'll lay by you. And she laid in bed with me and she rubbed my head. And she used to do that for me when I was a child. And, and I didn't, it's, it's going to make me cry, but I didn't know that I had missed that. Mm. And that mm. I, I still needed my mother's loving touch, you know? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't know because I'm this adult now and you know you move on and I'm a mother and I'm the nurturer and so yeah it's letting it's letting Ray you know drop me off at the entrance at the grocery store so I don't use all my steps up before and my oxygen before I get the grocery shopping done you know it's it's letting it's letting Valerie and Cheryl carry my bag at in Kansas City during Holy U you know it's allowing yeah. everyone to step in and drive me or help me or the things that I always did for everyone else. Wow. Can you just feel everybody listening saying, hmm, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can all learn some lessons from this. And it feels pretty That's good funny. when they help you. I, we were talking about this the other night that, you know, once you do give in, and you realize you're giving those people a chance to let their light shine by helping you. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel when I help others. Right. So you know, but I've spent my life depriving others of being there for me. It's it, and it's about deserving. It's about deserving it. Do I deserve this love? Do I? You know, I I posted that blog post yesterday on Facebook, and I received so much love. I was overwhelmed. You know, I was like, yeah. whoa, I don't breathe, you know, take this in, Sit, stand here a minute and just receive this outpouring of love. So many people I have never met, but I just have this online relationship with. Yeah. But I know they yeah. care about me. I know they're praying for me. I know they're holding me in light. Yeah. You know, yeah. just as I do them when they have things and as we did with Brenda and, you know, it's, 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 it's this tribe that has come together that is just holding each other up and it's beautiful it's just beautiful 
All right. So here's another gift that you wrote about in your blog. You might not have labeled it this way, but it's the gift of presence. Let me share with all of you listening Raven's beautiful words. And because I am who I am as a soul and as a human, I can't help but ask myself in between the spaces of pain, what are you trying to tell me? I am listening. You have my attention. I'm here now, right now. And I wait and I ride out the waves of pain and I notice. And on that, you also write you in a separate paragraph, you notice you can't distract yourself from your pain by helping someone else because your body won't allow that anymore. So talk to us about presence. Well, I've always been really good at being present for someone else. Hmm. Hmm. First. And now I have to be present for me first. And how has that changed things? Well, in actuality, it's really letting me be more present with everyone more. It, it's, I, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, it's, I don't know, it just. Well, your joy I, is palpable. In, You're just, you, the, you, this is somebody who the doctors say, you know, there's no cure for this and, and you may not live a full life. And yet, you're just radiant. And I am most of the time. And, I, and, and I, not to mislead anyone, I have my moments, you know. There are nights that I have laid there and I'm gone, oh, you know, in Jesus' yeah. words, take this cup from me, you know. Take this mm-hmm. cup from me. But, but it's, it's here. It is. And I will drink of it. And I will, um, there's a, um, a quote um, from... Um, this this book that I read that Valerie sent to me shortly after I was diagnosed and it's by Alana Fairchild from her Rumi Oracle deck and it says this there is a time on the journey of love when the beloved that would be you and me sweet soul is prepared to engage more completely with the heart of the divine lover the preparation will be a rich process spiritually speaking it may also feel like being beaten pummeled simmered and stirred in the pot of the divine master chef to become a sacred and savory meal fit for the most heavenly of feasts. This is a courageous and bold process, one that will create the most delicious aromas in the soul, and yet it is one that will likely take us right to the places we would rather avoid, places of confrontation with pain, but where the loss of its grip on our being no longer lets us quake and retreat from life in fear or uncertainty. Wow. This is this is really good stuff because so many times we think the spiritual path has to be full of light and if you're not happy or everything's not perfect then you're not doing it right. But you're showing us and that beautiful passage shows us that there's so much to be harvested from the challenges as well. And and you know, that's what Corey has taught me all these years. I lived it with Corey. Now I get to live it with me. Mm-hmm. And, and all of us who know you wish you didn't have to, and yet you're our teacher. <laughs> let me let me move on to, as the clock ticks along here, <laughs> another <laughs> gift from your blog. You say you notice...
I'll put it in your words. I notice that I'm asking for what I need more clearly and more directly, for I no longer have time to waste on people-pleasing or insecurity or being fiercely independent to prove I don't need anyone. That is a gift. It is. It is. How does Ray, how's Ray reacting to that? Probably likes Raymond it that amazing. you're telling him. <laughs> What's that? What did, you, what did you say about Ray? He's amazing. He's just an amazing... Yeah. Um, we've grown up together, as you know. We, he, he and I were childhood sweethearts. We, he is my best friend. And he is right by my side. And um, we are walking this path together. It's not a new path for either one of us. We walk the path of Corey together as well. And so... Um, you know, he's scared sometimes. I'm scared sometimes. But we we both we both are filled with light and love for each other, for our family, for our for our our creator, our source, and and we know that we're going to be okay. It has opened discussions. We have, you know, I'm also an end of life doula. I think I mentioned that, but it's you know that has made me really talk about how I perceive going forward in this process as I get closer to those times and. And I've talked to him. We, it, you know, we had talked about this with Corey back in when he was a kid. So, you know, if he could do it, we can do it. Yes, and, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, an end-of-life doula is like a soul midwife. We had Wendy Cardi on the show to talk about that in another episode. You help people prepare to transition, and now it's your yeah. turn. So talk about yeah. feeling vulnerable. Oh, well, I, you know, I, I say often, I feel like I'm walking out, out around with no skin now, you know, um, all my, all my, my, my defenses are down. Everything has been stripped from me. I am naked. I am, I am just here in this place. And I know I don't care anymore that I'm naked. I don't need to hide anymore i don't need to pretend Oof. anymore I'm this is why the here. sages teach us die daily this is the way we're meant to live isn't it yes yeah this diagnosis has allowed me to finally step into living hmm. finally and how are you living now in spite of the pain on your good days on your bad days how are you living I, I, it hasn't stopped me. I am, I am, I just got back from Kansas City. I'm going to Phoenix next week to meet with some Souls Awakening sisters. And I'm, you know, I am, um, I still work sometimes. I still see people. I still do healings. I still, I just did a, uh, I was, you know, privileged to be present at a transition of a family member last week. And I, you know, before, before my pain started, thank goodness. And, uh, I'm still me. I'm still Raven. I'm still the healer. I'm still the mother. I'm still the wife. I'm still the friend. I'm still and how the about sister. your attitude? Has it changed? I think it has. You know, I've always been a positive person, and I've always tried to find the silver lining in things. And okay, here's lemon. Let's make lemonade. How do we do that? You know, I've always mm-hmm. tried to get there, but it doesn't seem like an effort right now to get there. I'm just present. If I'm sad, I'm sad, and I go there. If I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm if I'm angry, I'm angry, and I let it go, and then it's gone, and then I'm, you know, I'm just 
wherever I am right now. And you're saying yes, aren't you? As human and as soul. (laughs) And I'm saying yes to things I don't usually say yes to. Why? Yes. Why are you saying yes? Because part of my patterning was to say no first. Mm. A habit. When I was a child, I would come to my father and I would say, Dad, can I? And before I could even get the question out, he'd scream no at me. And so I learned to say no to me first. Wow. So now you're saying yes. And we have one minute left in the show, Raven. (laughs) And I remember we were talking about suffering at my retreat at Unity headquarters. And you wrote to Mm -hmm. me, I've been describing what I've been going through as fear and struggling, when in truth, I am experiencing myself as divinity in human form, a grand reunion taking place in my body right now. What a blessing. Do you have final words for us about that? The blessing? That's exactly it. I'm dancing with the divine. And I am finally allowing myself to dance with the divine. And however that looks, I no longer need to hide from it or try to explain it or feel judged about it. I just love the divinity that resides in me. And I love the human that I am. And I'm grateful to be alive. And I'm grateful to be a part of this tribe that is supporting me so well. And I just am so grateful to you for having me here to speak my truth. We all love you so much, Raven. Thank you for sharing with us today. And and we're just so grateful to be on this journey with you. And thank you all for joining us. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down. <laughs>